Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Welcome to today's episode, Progress Giant. And the draft and ask me questions if I was confusing. When I say progress, of course, I mean progress with a question mark because the league and the players had another chit chat today. It lasted about 90 minutes. And what it really sounds like is the players are saying, okay, how about if we reduce our demands to this and this and this? And the owners say, well, that would be nice, but we're not going to do it yet. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. We are not going to give up anything at all because what we want to make sure is that Dick Monfort and crew in Colorado who are right now the worst owners in all of baseball, are allowed to make wheelbarrows full of money every season without even trying to provide a quality product on the field. And as long as that happens, we will happily sign whatever agreement that authorizes. But if it's not going to guarantee that Dick Monford, who can appoint his son as chief of pro scouting as long as he's not going to pay any consequence for being a horrible owner now we're not going to sign it we'll just sit and wait we'll sit and wait you guys players you are property property you are property that is all that you are when you sign you are property You are minor league property for a couple of years at least. Then once you hit the major league level, you're property for at least six years, more like seven or eight. You are property, and as long as you remain property, we will be happy. As long as we don't have to surrender anything, we will be happy. If you expect us to surrender anything, we are not going to compromise. And I think I have summarized every MLBPA, MLB meeting that's happened in the last 15 years. I think I have. Maybe not, but uh, I'm pretty close. Um, There's no progress unless it's progress toward owners being able to. I tell you, Jordan Wicks an 11 year piece of property is just flat out wrong. Number one draft pick. Cubs were ecstatic to have him. They're claiming still he was in their top 10 on their big board. I'll get more to the draft in a minute. Jordan Wicks was in the Cubs' top 10 going into the 2021 draft. He slipped to them in the first round. They were ecstatic to get him. Signed him, slot value. And 
later added James Triantos in the second round. Triantos may have been the go-to had Wicks not been available. So the Cubs draft Jordan Wicks, number one pick. Cubs have him for three years on a minor league deal. Three years on a minor league deal. Now, it could be he makes it to the major leagues before his three years are totally up. It could happen. It might not happen. We'll have to watch. We'll have to see. We don't know that yet. But as for 2022, I would imagine he would start at South Bend, probably pitch in South Bend up until the point that he has his pitch count up to, eh, I don't know, 80, 85. Then if he's doing well, then they might bump him up to Tennessee in 2022, leave him there for the rest of the season. Then in 2023, have him start in Tennessee and go to Iowa if all goes well. That would be 2023. So then round about 2024, he would be to the point where if all goes well and if he stays healthy, he would be in Iowa. And he would effectively be at the Caleb Killian point for this season, which is you're in AAA if you do well enough and things happen and you're needed, etc., 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 then you'll get called up. So that would be his first season at the major league level, which would mean he'd be at zero point certain number of days. That'd be 2024. Probably he'd be up for a while, probably get sent back down. Then the next year, he'd probably start in AAA again, then come up to the major leagues again, and then possibly get over 1.000 years, or possibly not. And he would be Cubs property until he gets over 6.000 years after a specific season. Then he would no longer be Cubs property. Now, when I say Cubs property, the Cubs could decide, you know, for whatever reason, we don't want to have Caleb, or we don't want to have Jordan Wicks. We want to trade Jordan Wicks for this other player. So then Jordan Wicks gets traded to the Giants or the Royals or the Padres or whoever the heck he'd get traded to. And Jordan Wicks remains property because whichever team gets him now has him as property. It's kind of like, you know, a, a couch, an ottoman or a microwave oven. He, he does what he has to do. Uh, maybe a shovel. You know, you decide, hey, I'm going to go out and shovel the driveway today. I'm going to go out and shovel the driveway. Did you ask the shovel first if you were going to go out and shovel the driveway? No. You grabbed the shovel and used the shovel to do the shovel's job. What's the shovel's job? To shovel stuff. You don't ask the shovel, can I use you to do your job? It's property. That's what it does. And that's what baseball players are. Now, they are well-paid. They are well-paid property. What was the, uh, back in the day, back in the day, somebody in my civics universe referred to the U.S. media as a courtesan press. Well, you, we know that the media is the press, but the, the word courtesan, courtesan is a high-end prostitute. 
And to an extent, the baseball player is a high-end piece of furniture, a high-end piece of luggage, a high-end piece of property. But make no mistake, the player, until they reach free agency, they are property. You can either be in favor of players being property until they're 31, 32, or you can think, you know, that's kind of a stupid idea to have players property until they're 31, 32. Those are the two options. You can either be in favor of it or you can be opposed to it. Whichever, I can't force you to decide. But if Jordan Wicks is doing his job, he should not be property until he's 31 or 32 years old. He shouldn't be a free agent necessarily at 24 or 25, but at some point sooner than 31 or 32. Jordan Wicks ought to be able to decide, you know what, I want to go play for the team that's going to pay me the most. At some point, that ought to happen. It ought to be before he's 31 or 32. Or... In Frank Schwindel's case, 36 or 37. Whichever you select. Giants, the Giants, the Giants. Fangraphs has come out with their Giants prospects list. And I ran the numbers. I think I'm kind of right on it. I'm getting closer. My... uh. My Excel program has a whole bunch of blank spots in it. And the fewer blank spots I have in the program, it's easier to run the program. So when I had a whole bunch of blank spots in it, I, um, it was much more likely for me to enter the wrong bit of information. So I think, and I think I'm getting better at it. And the Giants came in, 11 teams in. Giants are, I think, sixth. They're at 218.5, something like that. Cubs are at 233.5. So it's basically a Caleb Killian sort of a difference between the Cubs and the Giants, basically. And yes, Caleb Killian was involved in the Chris Bryant trade. Uh, the Cubs are progressing fairly well. Um, the Giants in August, in early August on Fangraphs, the Giants had been ranked higher than the Cubs. Right now, the Cubs on Fangraphs are ranked higher than the Giants. Conversely, in August, the Cubs had been ranked higher than the Yankees, and now the Yankees are higher than the Cubs. There's a whole bunch of teams who are really close, and I'm really starting to sense that 200 is a magic number. 200 is the magic number. The team has a future value of over 200. That's generally pretty good. That's generally pretty good. If a team is over 200, they're probably all right. And the Cubs being at 233.5, they're all right. They are, they're sitting third, 11 teams through. There will be some teams that are a lot better than the Cubs. I would imagine the Orioles will be much higher than the Cubs. The Rays will be much higher than the Cubs. The Pirates will probably be much higher than the Cubs, all each for their own reasons. But the Cubs at 233.5, it's fine. That's fine. That's not a problem. And I've said a number of places. I've said here. I've said other places. Don't necessarily expect 
all of the kids in low A Myrtle Beach to absolutely drub the pitching opposition at the low A level. Low A pitching is a whole lot better than pitching on the compound. Reggie Preciado, James Triantos, Kevin Alcantara, Owen Casey, they will do fine, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to put up 1,100 OPSs. OPSs in, OP, the OPS in the low A East will not be generally very high. People expecting Myrtle Beach to win 12 to 4 and 17 to 3 and 18 to 6 probably are going to be disappointed and shocked. Why is it that this guy isn't hitting 390? Because the pitching is better. Mind who teams are facing. Mind how those players did in college. A bunch of the stuff from the Arizona Compound League where those players hit really well. They were playing in the desert at a level of elevation against pitchers who really were not necessarily primo. What happens on the compound? Once a player proves on the compound they are better than the compound, they get promoted off the compound. Right away, real quick, as soon as they show, yeah, they're better than the compound. So players that James Triantos and Kevin Alcantara and Reggie Preciado were batting against were not necessarily elite sorts of pitchers. They just aren't or weren't. When they play at the next level, it's going to be more difficult. I noticed one today where the Cardinals were looking, Major League Baseball trade rumors, Cardinals are looking for relief pitchers with um, high-end relief, uh, high leverage relief pitcher sorts. Duh. Isn't everybody? <laughs> what a stupid headline. Now, the Cardinals have a decent organization. Uh, possibly might be a bit down from where it had been. Probably not as bad as some of the doomsayers are going to say. The start of the season, they had a whole bunch of teams that were underperforming toward the end of the season. Um, Double A had started to play a lot better. Triple A had started to play a lot better. Again, for whatever reasons, maybe some players had gotten healthy. Maybe some players had gotten used to their levels. I don't know what it was. But the Cardinals are always going to have a system that is pumping out some sort of quantity, some sort of quality, and the Cubs have to try to be better than the Cardinals each time through the cycle. One more thing about the draft. I'm starting to do my own version of a uh, Tim's Timeline mock draft. Yeah, it's early, but this is how I'm kind of doing it. I had four names to start with because on Twitter you can have four names in a poll. My first four names were Tamar Johnson, an infielder from Georgia, uh, Andrew Jones, an outfielder from mm, Georgia, uh, 
see who else I have on there. Um, had Brooks Lee and a shortstop from Cal Poly and Jace Young, an infielder from Texas Tech. The first round went to Termar Johnson, which kind of surprised me. I thought it would go to Andrew Jones, but it went to Termar Johnson. Okay, fine, no problem. So I deleted Termar Johnson and replaced Termar Johnson with Chase DeLauder. So my second was Andrew Jones, DeLauder, Lee, and Young. Jace Young. And in a rather big one-sided matchup, Andrew Jones won. So now on my mock draft, it is number one is Termar Johnson. Number two is Andrew Jones. For the spot to replace Andrew Jones, my next poll question is, which of the following four players ought to be added to the other three names? The other three names being Young, DeLauder, and Lee. And the four names that you get to choose from are Cam Collier, Elijah Green, Dylan Lesko, Gavin Cross. I don't care who you choose. Uh, but whoever ends up winning of those four gets added to the other three. And then I'll have my third pick after that. Then after my third pick, I will add another name. Eh, probably Sussex, catcher from Arizona. To um, let people decide who should be added next. And so far, it started off uh, Lesko heavy, and then Collier and... <sighs> Green are catching up. So I have no idea who's going to be the fourth. And when it ends up being the fourth name added, I have no idea who's going to win from there. So I'm going to let you guys decide this. I'm going to let you guys decide this uh, I'm going to let you guys have a lot, of, a lot of the fun with it because I really have no idea who's going to do what and which. My lean would probably be one through six if it came to me, which it won't, but my one to six would probably be Jones one, Tamar Johnson two, Brooks Lee third, Jace Young fourth, Chase DeLauder, fifth. Sixth place, probably Gavin Cross. And then beyond that, I have no idea. It's, it's going to be a whole bunch of balls juggling. And two weeks from Friday, I have action I can start watching in college baseball. On the way out the door, I was looking at the James Madison baseball site, the James Madison baseball site, because I want to hear more Chase DeLauder games. His first three games are against Florida State. Very interested in those games, hearing how they play out, because DeLauder against good pitching 
teaches me a whole lot more than some other things. So, the Lauder against Florida State should be educational, at least for me. It'll give me some information. I don't know if it'll be entirely accurate, but it'll be information. So, I was checking the James Madison site to see were, whether there were any other games they had that were coming up that are going to possibly be audio streamed. Uh, I'm completely good with audio streams because audio streams are great. Flip on a game, on my audio, listen to it. I either listen to the game or I fall asleep. Either one is okay with me. In middle of, let's see, what was it? Middle of March, something like 8th and 9th, 8th and 9th of March, Tennessee hosts James Madison for two games. Fantastic, fantastic. Tennessee is a good enough squad. They will have a representative enough pitching staff. We will see how that ends up playing out. Then, on the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th, James Madison plays at... No, it's not Nichols State. Um, blast, I'm not remembering which team it is. But the team that they're playing in against, the team they're playing against, the field that they're playing in, their right field is completely smushed. Their right field is completely smushed. The entire, you know, you expect to have uh, college pro dimensions, 315 to 330 down the lines, 395 to 415 to center, 375 to 365 up the alley, something like that, right? That's what you expect. At the, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I'll get back to it. I'll get back to you on which, which field it is because I'm flat out not remembering down the left field line, it's about three, 305 down the line, and it curls inward, not outward, inward. It's like 300 to right center. 300 to right center. Chase DeWater is a left-handed hitter. He should actually do really well there. Just turn and burn, get it somehow uh so yeah i'm i don't know if i will be able to get to listen to the somewhere in kentucky i think don't know if i'll be able to get to listen to those games but i'll be fascinated because by then the water will have more of a name as far as whether he's more one two three or more four five six or more seven eight nine or more well maybe he's not going to be that good but uh when he plays in a shoehorn of a ballpark like that it could be really interesting um yeah i there's there's not going to be good progress in the baseball negotiations it will all be a case of the players realizing oh okay the owners aren't going to allow us to do anything the owners aren't going to allow us to get any advantages 
The only way we're going to get any benefit is to completely cave on everything that we believe in. And that's not going to be very fun. Unless, of course, you like players' property, then it'll be fantastic. And really, there are a lot of people who liked players' property. There are a lot of people who still swear by the the way the game was run in the 1960s when the players had no rights was a whole lot better than it is now. There's a lot of that still. They don't necessarily use those words specifically, but when players were required to accept whatever um, ownership was offering them, a lot of people liked that. Players' property, not good. Cubs holding up in the Fangraphs rankings. Cardinals want high-end leverage relievers. Ha! Um, I much prefer them having 93-mile-an-hour fastball guys with uh, no, leverage, uh, no command or no control. And then uh, lastly, the draft. Do the research. Do a little looking. Who's the guy that you like? Um... Elijah Green is fascinating. Very good speed, very good power, very, 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 very large holes in his swing as of now. Can those get fixed? I don't know. My real hope, Texas buys into him, Texas drafts him third, and the Cubs don't even have to make the decision. That's my hope. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great day. And at least... Uh, <laughs> At least for today, if you're in Illinois, enjoy the weather.